Hey, you know what? It's really fun to be here. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, how are we doing, how are we doing, and welcome to episode number 30 of the Banner Banter Podcast. I am your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. How's everyone doing? I hope everyone had a great weekend. I apologize that this is coming out on Tuesday rather than Monday. I was down in South Carolina for four or five days for my best friend Jay's wedding. It was an amazing time. Congratulations, Jay and Kerry, and here's to a lifetime of love and happiness. As always, folks, you can find me on the Twitter machine at BannerBanter18 or on Facebook and Instagram at BannerBanterPodcast. You can also email me at any time with comments, suggestions, and or recipes at BannerBanterPodcastGmail.com. Available on all of your favorite podcast applications. If you're listening to one right now, you don't like it, Spotify, Google Play Music, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Podbean, etc., 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 etc. All right. Wasn't really the great week for the Boston Celtics that we were all hoping for. They're currently 37-23. and 23. They now have a losing record on the road. They're now 14-15 and 15 on the road. There's only 21 games left this season, folks. Pretty crazy. Yep, 21 games left. That's it. And 12 of them are on the road. Nine of them are at home. They are currently one and a half games behind the Philadelphia 76ers who just beat the Pelicans by one point down in New Orleans or New Orleans. You know, that's kind of like the aunt-ant thing. Is it New Orleans or New Orleans? Is it aunt or is it ant? You know, we can go on for days about different words like that. And then they are also two and a half games behind the Indiana Pacers, who just lost to the, to the Detroit Pistons tonight. And I would tell you how many games they are behind the Raptors or the Bucks, but they're not going to be catching them in any way, shape, or form. But they are six games ahead of the Brooklyn Nets for the fifth seed, so I think we got the fifth seed locked up or the third or the fourth but i don't see one two six seven or eight being the boston celtics so yeah that's that and here we are hoping that maybe the strength of schedule got a little bit better negative still eighth Ugh, that's according to tankathon.com that's the one i like but let's recap the the bucks and the bulls game the big thursday night game on tnt what a plain english what a crappy game just like gross it was just bad basketball. Neither team could hit the... Literally, neither team could fall into the ocean if they were standing in it. It was terrible. What a piss-poor basketball game from both teams. It was pretty crazy, especially the last play, or the last, I would say, six seconds of that game was absolutely crazy. The two-minute report came out after, and for those of you that don't know what the two-minute report is, the two-minute report is basically the NBA officials or the head of the NBA officials look over all the mistakes in the final two minutes of the game or all the positive things that the referees did, and they made four different mistakes. Number one, the jump ball towards the end of the game where it was tied up. Marcus Smart made a ridiculous play on Giannis Antetokounmpo, and... Yeah, it was absolutely great. Marcus Smart's defense is bananas sometimes. It really is. It's either, there are also some times it's really bad, but 
the fact that he just ripped the ball or tried to rip the ball out of Giannis's hands, and then there was a jump ball. Giannis tapped it over to Brooke Lopez. Brooke Lopez then tried to tap it, missed it. Brogdon then went in, tried to put it in pit, put back and missed it, and then they waved it off saying it was a shot clock violation. There was only 0.2 seconds left on the shot clock. Crazy rule, so they said that was wrong. And then the final play of the game, Kyrie set an illegal screen on Chris Middleton, and then Chris Middleton held Marcus Morris, and then when Kyrie caught the ball and drove to the basket, they're saying Giannis Antetokounmpo also fouled Kyrie. So according to those 3.5 seconds or 3.2 seconds left, the refs missed four calls. Pretty crazy. But the Celtics should have never been in that position. They were up 11, I believe, in the end of the first quarter or the start of the second quarter. They they were up double-digit double points. It should have never, ever happened. And, it, you know, if you just look at the – like, even if you didn't watch the game and you just look at the box score real quick, only seven turnovers for the Celtics. The Bucks had 15. They also had more offensive rebounds than the Bucks. Like, when do the Celtics have more offensive rebounds than the other team? Let me answer. Never. It it rarely happens, and they did. So they protected the ball and got more offensive rebounds, and they still lost. And the Celtics did a pretty good job. The The Bucks score like 115 points a game on average. They're a very good offensive team. Chris Middleton's very good. Giannis is having a stellar year. Bledsoe's having one of the best seasons of his career. Brooke Lopez, for some odd reason, is like a better than Steph Curry at shooting threes. And they only allowed 20 points, 19 points, and 26 points in quarters one, two, and four. And then the third quarter, coming out at halftime, they allowed 33 points in the third quarter. I don't get it. It's crazy. It doesn't make sense to me. It really doesn't. And then when you look, the Celtics didn't score more than 29 points in any of those quarters. But the person that we really need to talk about in this this game is Al Horford. Al Horford was unbelievable in this game. He was absolutely unbelievable. He had 17 rebounds in this game. Think about that. Al Horford had 17 rebounds. Al Horford there against the Bulls, he only had like three. And then Al Horford's like, you know what? I'm going to have 17 rebounds against Brooke Lopez and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Like, come on. Get out of here. Like, are you for real? He played 37 minutes. He took 21 shots. Al Horford took 21 shots. He had 10 boards. Seven of them were offensive rebounds. The Celtics had a team had 15 offensive rebounds. So that means Al Horford, half of the offensive rebounds, zero turnovers, five assists, three blocks, which led the team, two steals, which was only one behind Marcus Smart that led the team. Like, And he was a plus 12, and they lost. The, all the starters were pluses. Tatum, plus 7. Morris, plus 4. Horford, plus 12. Marcus Smart, plus 9. Kyrie Irving, plus 5. And you're like, well, hey, Jalen Brown played well, man. You know, he was 6-9 from the field. He had three assists. Whoa, three assists for Jalen Brown. But he also had three turnovers, which means he had almost half of the team's turnovers and was a minus 14 in a one-point game. Like, what? Come on. But Al Horford has been unbelievable since the calendar year of 2019 has begun. 14 points, seven boards, one block, four and a half assists, shooting 45% from the field. That's crazy. And then just in his last five, 17 points, nine boards, five assists, two blocks, and shooting 40% from three. I mean, if it wasn't for Al Horford in this game, the Celtics would have lost by 100. And I mean, the Bucks didn't even score 100, but that they would have got washed off the floor. But the worst part about this game, the Celtics took 102 shots, and I think only 101 of them were, yeah, 101 of them were bad. 
there was like one good shot. But all of them were bad shot selections. They went 39 of 102. 38% from the field. 35% from three. This is the worst shooting performance by the Celtics this year. Not the time to do it against one of the best teams in the NBA. Nope. Not like... Like, you look at everything. They led by 11. They had 17 fast break points, 38 points in the paint. The bench only scored 21. But, oh, it's just unbelievable. It, it, that game was so frustrating. That's just one of those games where you want to say to yourself, hey, they can't play like that all the time, can they? No, but they have all year. And you, and you literally can't figure out why. The team, you guys, I don't know if you guys remember this, but... I would say episode 22, maybe 23, hell, maybe even like episode 18, I went off on the fact that the Celtics suck at getting to the line. The Celtics went to the free throw line six times in this game. Six. And Al Horford was four of them. Think about that. He went to the line four times. The team, two, for a total of six. The Celtics rank... 29th in the NBA on field goals attempts per game. That's terrible. Terrible. Like, think about that. Jason Tatum, Kyrie Irving, Al Horford. Your three best scorers on the team. You could argue Marcus Morris, Al Horford for third. Six. Like, Kyrie Irving, I'm pretty sure did not. Let me double check. Kyrie Irving did not take a free throw. How does Kyrie Irving not go to the free throw line? The dude took 27 shots. It was absolutely unbelievable. Kyrie took terrible shots. Some of his shots, I was just like, what? You know, one of those things where if you were to watch that game and you were a Boston media member, you would just say to yourself, yeah, the Celtics are better without Kyrie. Because there were times where Kyrie, everyone was just standing around watching Kyrie do his thing. And then he looked up and said, oh, shit, there's only five seconds left in the shot clock. I'm going to jack this thing up. And Terry Rozier did that a lot, too. I mean, Terry Rozier was two of eight from the field. And we'll talk about the Bulls game in a second where he was one for nine as well. So that means in his last two games, Terry Rozier is three of 17. But let me guess, that's Kyrie's fault, right? Right? You get out of here. Oh, man. I really wanted that Bucks game. I really thought they had a good opportunity. I mean, the last three minutes of that game, I think there was six ties. The Celtics played good defense. The Celtics played great defense. They forced Chris Middleton to have a pretty crappy night shooting. Chris Middleton went 5 of 14 from the field. Brooke Lopez went 4 of 11, 2 of 7 from 3. Eric Bledsoe sucked. He only shot 22% from the field. Him and Terry Rozier both sucked in that game. And I, I just don't understand it. The Celtics had that game, but it was just bad shot selection. You know, when Jason Tatum went down on that fast break where Giannis blocked the ball, you could blame that on Jason Tatum for not going in hard enough, not realizing Giannis Antetokounmpo was behind him. But at the start of that play, Terry Rozier hesitated and should have got that ball to him quicker. But Terry Rozier was too worried about himself. He, like, got the ball. Ooh, look, fast break for me. And then someone had to yell at him to push it up the court. And he did it, but it was just too late because Giannis caught him. It was unbelievable. That was just a really frustrating game for me to to watch because you say to yourself, can the Celtics do that seven times or four times in a seven-game series against the Bucks? Yes. Should they win those games? Yes, because there are going to be some games like there was in December where the Celtics, 
allow 121 points and they get blown out and have to have a players only meeting afterwards. Those are the kind of things that's like really annoying. And all the and we'll get into what some of the guys said after the game because that really pissed me off and we'll talk about that in the set of dead of the week. But the thing that really really bothered me was that Bulls game. My god. Like you just a couple months ago, you just beat that team by 56 points. 56 points. And then you go in there and you lose by 10. When Kyrie Irving dropped 37 points. Kyrie Irving dropped 37 points. Al Horford dropped 19 points. Your two max contract guys dropped 37 and 19. Kyrie had 10 assists, 5 boards. Like, your backcourt shouldn't combine 11 boards. The front court of Horford, Morris, and Tatum had 9. Another big issue with me with this team. If you were to tell me or ask me, what are my three biggest issues with this Boston Celtics team? Simple. Team rebounding, going to the free throw line, and energy coming out of the first quarter or halftime. Simple as that. If the Celtics don't go to the free throw line and the Celtics don't do team rebounding and there's no energy, they're going to lose all the time. And you, sure, you could say that about most NBA teams, but some teams go to the line a lot and they suck. But the Celtics went, how can you go to the free throw line in the Bulls game 21 times against a team that sucks and then lose by 10, but then go against the second best team in the Eastern Conference or the best team in the Eastern Conference, however you want to look at it, go to the line six times and only lose by one? How does that even make sense? How does that even make sense? They literally played down to the competition. And that is a big issue with this Boston Celtics team. Like, Markkanen and Zach Levine went off for 42 and 35. That is crazy. Zach Levine, 42 points. It's embarrassing. Markkanen, I'm okay with because I think he's really good. And Markkanen also had 15 rebounds. Markkanen is the second youngest player to get 35 and 15 versus the Celtics. Youngest, Anthony Davis. Before that, Shaquille O'Neal back in 1994, which leads us to our Banner Banter investigation. Let's go. We now interrupt this podcast to bring you a very special Banner Banter investigation, Celtics Unit Report. Okay, this week's Banner Banter investigation is about who was covering Shaquille O'Neal in that 1994 game against the Celtics where he scored 36 points and had 24 rebounds in his second year. Shaq, crazy, right? He went up against Robert Parrish, who was very old back then and was not the same person as he was in the 80s when he was playing with McHale and Larry Bird, and A.C. Earl. So A.C. Earl is going to be your Banner Banter investigation this week. A.C. Earl, 6'10", 240-pounder, was drafted 19 overall in the 1993 NBA draft by the Boston Celtics. That was the same draft as uh, Chris Webber and Penny Hardaway, and I believe Jamal Mashburn was in that draft class too. But anyways, he went to the University of Iowa, and in his first game, or I'm sorry, his first season, he played in 22 games. He only averaged 16 minutes per game, but he finished with 50 blocks. It's pretty impressive. And then his second season, he had 16, six boards, four blocks, 
per game. Not bad. And then they had to meet Duke in 1991, second round, NCAA tournament. Got washed. Got destroyed by Duke. Then he went on and in 1992 won your defensive player of the year. Super impressive. But speaking of Duke basketball, I just want to give a shout-out to my boy Zion Williamson. That was crazy. Like, his 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 foot blew out the shoe. Like, that's insane. But anyways, back to ACRL. ACRL played 104 games for the Celtics. He only started in 11 of those. And he averaged a riveting 13 minutes per game, four points per game, two boards, and less than one block per game. And then he played two seasons for the Celtics. And then the NBA decided to create the Toronto Raptors and at the time the Vancouver Grizzlies. And then the Celtics put him up in the expansion draft and the Toronto Raptors drafted him in the expansion draft. Then after that, he played for probably another two seasons in the NBA. And then he played about a dozen years overseas for like 10 different teams. And I was looking it up and like half the teams I didn't even recognize, the leagues I didn't even recognize, and the names I could not pronounce. I took French in high school and I sucked at it. And right as of right now, he's now coaching in Mexico for, you know, like a pro-Mexican league down in Mexico. So he's doing well for himself, but he was really nothing special for the Boston Celtics because him and Robert Parrish allowed Shaquille O'Neal to drop 36-24 and 24 in one game back in 1994. Pretty, pretty crazy. So that's your banner banter investigation for the week. And just back to the, the Bulls game real quick. Jalen Brown, once again, had a nice game, and he had three assists. He really was, but he was a minus for the second straight game. So I want, I know I bash Jalen Brown on this podcast a lot, and it's only because I want Jalen Brown to do well. And I believe if Gordon Hayward is not the 100% that we all want him to be at, which I believe he's getting there. I know he missed the Bucks game because of a rolled ankle while he was practicing with Semi Ojale over the All-Star break, which is great to know that Gordon and Shemi practiced together during the all-star break they didn't go away like Daniel Tice was posting pictures in the Bahamas and all that but he's in the minus again and I want him to be the leader of this bench unit like if you want to be a big part of this team Jalen Brown you got to realize you ain't starting anymore so get your head on straight and realize that you are the most important person off the bench until Gordon Hayward is fully at 100 percent and 5 or 12 from the field off the bench not bad. Two of five from three. Not bad. But two turnovers. The team had six. So literally in the last two games, the Celtics, as a team, had a total of 13 turnovers. I'm sorry. They had seven turnovers in this game. And Jalen Brown had two of them. No one else on the team had two except for him. I don't get it. I don't get it. And guys, Terry Rozier. Terry Rozier. Sucked. One of nine. One of nine. He was a minus 16. How do you do that against the Bulls? Come on, man. (sighs) So sad. It really is. But the thing that was really frustrating about it is the Celtics gave no effort at all rebounding. They lost the rebounding battle 49 to 32. They lost the rebounding battle by 17. The Bulls were up 25 at one point. 25. They cared so much more. They ran the fast break. They got rebounds. They pushed it up the floor. The Celtics didn't get back in transition. It absolutely sucked. 
you know, the Celtics did a good job scoring the ball in the paint. They had 52 points in the paint. That was good. The bench outscored the Chicago Bulls bench. But guess what? That should have happened all the time. Like, you look at, you literally look at the bench. You ready? I'm going to name the bench. <laughs> Cristiano Felicio, Wayne Selden, Ryan Arsinicondo, Timothy Luar Carber, and Shaquille Harrison. Have you heard of anyone minus Wayne Selden? He played for Kansas. I think he's actually a local kid. Hold on. I'm going to look this up real quick. I think Wayne Selden's a local kid. I think he was one of those kids that looked like he was 45 that played at Texas. I mean, uh, that played at Kansas. Wayne Selden. Yeah, he's from Roxbury. Okay, I knew that name sounded familiar. But yeah, he used to play for the Grizzlies, and now he plays for the Chicago Bulls. So yeah, could it was nice for Wayne Selden to, to show up and you know score three of six from the field, nine points, 50% shooting against his hometown team in Chi-Town. Not too shabby, but just a really frustrating loss for the Celtics because if, you, if you're wondering why the Celtics are the fifth seed, it's because of performances like they had versus the Bulls on Saturday night. It sucked. It was a really, really piss-poor performance. But before we preview uh, what I think is the biggest week of the entire Celtics season to really show where this team is, not only for the rest of the regular season, but before the playoffs, these next four games are vital, vital for the for the Celtics. I really and truly believe that. So let's get into the sudden dud of the week, and then we'll preview these four games. Leg out. And now, it is time for the Celtics stud and the Celtics dud of the week. Okay, this week's stud and dud of the week, the stud is Al Horford. Al Horford was incredible, incredible in the Bucks game. He was reasonable in the Bulls game. That averages out to stud of the week. He looks healthy, he looks locked in, he looks ready to go, and he realizes that these games, now that the All-Star break is over, these games are super duper important, and he's taking every single game seriously. He's not looking forward. He's looking in the presence and, or the presence, the present, and that is what matters. He, I firmly believe, is the true leader on this team, and I think that Kyrie needs to realize that, and that leads me into the dud of the week, and that goes to Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving has played over 40 minutes in the last two games. Kyrie Irving does not need to play 40 minutes, or should I say he should not have to play 40 minutes. It's absolutely crazy that we, the Celtics need Kyrie to play 40 minutes to be competitive. That should not be the case at all. Ne- like, never. It never should ever be. Because the Celtics' record in games where Kyrie plays more than 40 minutes is 2-4. and four. And then what's even crazier is his record, or I'm sorry, the Cavs' record when he played over 40 minutes was 28-27. and 27. So don't play Kyrie Irving 40 minutes. That doesn't sound like rocket science. He's he's just not good when he plays over 40 minutes. So don't push it, Kyrie. Don't push it. Play your 30 to 35. Call it a day. And if we need you to play 40 minutes in the playoffs, then you'll be rested and ready to go. And, I, and I'm being serious about that. But the reason why he's the dud was his shot selection and his comments after the game. Kyrie's shot selection in the Bucks game Drove me nuts. It was so bad. Jacked up threes, contested threes, floaters where there's like four guys around him, forced layups, just 
try to do too much. That was the type of game where you as a Celtics fan say, you know, Isaiah Thomas used to do that too from time to time, but he also realized there were other guys on the court. And Kyrie at times, you know, doesn't believe that there's anyone out in the court. And I'm I'm a pro Kyrie makes his team better guy, but there are some times, especially in that Bucks game, where he made the team worse. And I'll admit that. And then his comments after the Bulls game. This dude said that no one can beat this team in seven games. Which, you know, you could say touche. But why? Why say it? Why are you looking at the playoffs right now? You just lost to the Chicago Bulls. So it doesn't matter with the playoffs. Because if you can't beat the Bulls, you're not going to be able to beat anybody in the playoffs. And... To me, I feel like he's being immature because this is what the young guy said all summer. This is what Terry had to say that pissed me off. That's what Jalen Brown had to say to piss me off. They were going to go deep. They were going to go back to the finals. And this dude's saying, well, sure, we lost the Bulls, but no one can beat us in seven games. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because Kyrie needs to realize that the Celtics have lost the last four games that he's played in. And the Celtics have won their last six games that he hasn't played in. So they all need to get on the same page before we talk about if a team can figure them out within seven games because chances are they can if the Chicago Bulls can figure out. So Kyrie Irving is the dud, Al Horford the stud, and hopefully this week, the most important week for the Celtics, I believe, to really show where they are for the rest of the regular season and for the playoffs. I, I know I mentioned like the stretch, but these next four games are against really, really good teams, and... I want them, I'm, I remember, what was it, November, where I thought they were going to go like 4-0 and in one week, and they went like 0-4. This is one of those weeks where they need to go like 3-1. and They got four games. Three of them are at home, one on the road, including a back-to-back. This could be a really bad stretch for the Celtics. You lose Tuesday, you lose Wednesday, you've now lost four games in a row, and you don't have easier games on Friday and Sunday. You really don't. Because after these four games this week, they then go on their West Coast road trip. And let's be honest, if you're if you're a Celtics fan, you know the West Coast road trip for the Celtics is never fun and never easy. They got Golden State, then they play the Sacramento Kings after that on a back to back, then they play the Lakers, then the Kings, and then they come I mean, then the Clippers, and then they come back. And remember that Clippers game? Oh still angry about that one. So you, like you look at the rest of March, like it's not easy. The Kings are good. The Kings are probably going to make the playoffs because the Lakers are fading, which makes me smile. And then they got a very early game, a twelve thirty game on a Saturday against the Hawks. Hawks always play the Celtics well. It makes his return. Then they play the Seventy Sixers. They still have to play the Spurs, and then they still have to play the Pacers too. And they still have to play the Brooklyn Nets and the Hornets. All legitimately playoff teams. If you look at their schedule in March, they're playing 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Probably 11 or 12 games against playoff teams. That's why they have the 8th hardest schedule. But we'll focus on this week. But here's the thing. Aaron Baines has already been announced out for tonight's game against the Raptors. And Aaron Baines needs to come back like immediately. Someone needs to put some crazy Australian, New Zealand, I forget where he's from, I'm having a brain fart, I'm blacking out because I'm gonna about to go on a rant. But Aaron Baines needs 
his foot to be 100% and come back ASAP. When Aaron Baines plays less than 14 minutes, so 0 to 14 minutes for this Boston Celtics team, the Celtics are 22 and 21. When he plays more than 15 minutes, they're 15 and 2. So this dude needs to come back immediately. Their defensive rating with him, 97.9. Without him, 106.2. That is crazy, folks. Absolutely crazy. You know, right now, the Celtics' fifth overall in defensive rating at 106.8. It drops to literally the Celtics play or give up nine less points per game when Aaron Baines is out in the court. That's crazy. It's kind of like the Celtics' offensive rating with Kyrie. It's like night and day. And Aaron Baines needs to come back. He really does. Even though Al Horford's playing his best ball, Aaron Baines needs to come back. He really and truly does. So we'll start tonight. Raptors game, 8 p.m. TNT. It's in the Air Canada Center. Celtics usually don't play that great there. They obviously had a close game earlier this year up there. And the Raptors are good, man. I've, I, They played them a couple weeks ago in that crazy, crazy game in January you know, where Kyrie and Kawhi were going back and forth. Kyrie took that ridiculous three-pointer, you know, showed his jersey off. It was bananas, absolutely bananas. And the Raptors now have Marcus All. How are they going to look? How is Brad Stevens going to make those adjustments? What is he going to do? How's Horford going to play? There's so many questions going into this game. I hope Drake isn't there either. I don't like Drake on the sidelines. Drake annoys me. You know, Kiki, do you love me? No, not really. I don't. Especially if that's about Kim Kardashian as a Kanye fan. I find that very disrespectful. I really and truly do. But anyways, this is a big game. Kawhi versus Kyrie. Who's going to show up? Marcus Smart, Kyle Lowry. They hate each other. How are the Celtics going to match up if Gasol and Ibaka are both out there and nowhere in Baines? It's going to be very, very interesting. You know, who's going to cover Danny Green if... Yeah, it's it's a big, big big game and the Raptors have been playing very well as of late too you know they're eight and two in their last 10 games it's gonna it's a big game it's a big big game for the Celtics the the Raptors are 25 and 6 at home Celtics are 14 and 15 on the road they gotta get one of these good wins because Wednesday night they play the Portland Trailblazers another great team they're currently fourth overall in the West, they basically have the same record as the Celtics. They're like 36 and 22, or 38 and 22, or 37 and 23, around that same record, which is crazy. And I'm going to sidetrack a little bit before we get into the Trailblazers game. Remember, the Celtics, I predicted the Celtics were going to have 60 wins this year. Obviously, I was a little hyped, wanted people to listen to my podcast, you know. But if you think about it, if the Celtics finish the season with 53 wins and they go like 53 and 29 that's still pretty good <laughs> you know like people are freaking out that like bah! you know they only won 53 games they still suck they only they won 55 last year so it's only two less wins and then the year before that they won 53 so and they went to the eastern conference finals both of both of those years so it's pretty crazy if this team only has two less losses or two less wins from last year it it doesn't mean it's a, a successful year and sure, that's true, but this team can still win 53 games and people are still going to be pissed and still think that Kyrie doesn't belong and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's absolutely crazy. But Wednesday night, Trailblazers, 8 p.m., ESPN, TD Garden, big game. They just beat the uh, the Philadelphia 76ers in Philly by 15 points, and they looked really, really good, man. They did. 
Damian Lillard versus Kyrie is going to be so much fun. You could argue two out of the best four point guards in the league. You know, you got Kyrie, Westbrook, and Damian Lillard. I mean, Damian Lillard was great in the All-Star game. You know, these guys are legit All-Stars, legit the best of the best when it comes to the point guard position. But what I think is going to be important is Nurkic versus Horford. Horford, if you guys remember last Super Bowl Sunday, actually, Al Horford hit that game winner versus the Trailblazers. And at that moment, I knew the Patriots were going to lose because there was no way two crazy things for Boston sports teams are going to happen all on the same day. We're spoiled, but we're not that spoiled. And Smart really needs to lock up Malcolm. Malcolm McCollum. <laughs> I can't believe I just said Malcolm. But Smart really needs to lock up McCollum because if Damian Lillard's off and McCollum gets going, it's basically the same exact thing. McCollum can really and truly get going. And I hope Marcus Smart locks him down. Horford versus Nurchett's going to be big. And this is a game where I hope Aaron Baines does come back because if you guys remember, Entis Cantor, who was in the buyout market, who I was hoping the Celtics were going to get, went to the Portland Trailblazers, thought it was a good opportunity, thought he was going to get a lot of minutes. He backs up Nurchic. So if Horford has to deal with both of those guys who are both very good offensive rebounding guys or both good uh, good rebounding guys overall, Al Horford's going to have himself a day, and that's going to be tough, especially when he's guarding Marcus Gasol the night before. So that's going to be really tough for him. So that's going to be – I'm actually like – if. The Celtics lose the Raptors game. I know that's going to suck, but like it really doesn't affect if they win or lose because I don't think they're going to catch the Raptors. So if they do win and they win the season series, I think that would be really, really impressive because that means they would beat the 76ers in a season series, beat the Toronto Raptors in a season series. They still got two chances to beat the season series with the Indiana Pacers, which means they would beat three out of the four teams or the top teams in the Eastern Conference season series, they lost the Bucks after losing last week to them. But that's just crazy to think about. Be like, oh, wow, we beat the season series versus the Raptors. And, oh, wow, we just beat the season series with the 76ers. And we still have the chance. Like, that's just so crazy to think about. It really and truly is. But let's focus on Friday night real quick. Friday night, I think, is going to be a tough game as well. Because, again, the Wizards aren't that great. They, they're playing a lot better with John Wall. Bradley Beal is playing out of his mind ever since John Wall has left. They made some trades. Otto Porter's not there anymore. Gortat's not there. Austin Rivers isn't there. Markeith Morris isn't there. They're a different basketball team. There's no doubt about it. But you can't play down to that level. They should take that game, 8 p.m., TD Garden. I believe that game's on ESPN as well. But if not, it's an 8 o'clock start. But... You can't take the Wizards for granted. You, The Wizards always play. Scott Brooks knows how to coach against Brad Stevens. You always got to take that team seriously. So don't treat it like the Bulls game where you just get walked over on. And then Sunday, the game that I'm looking most forward to this week, or this stretch of four games, 3.30, ABC, Chris Paul, James Harden, Capella, Gerald Green, P.J. Tucker. It's going to be a great game. But if you guys remember last year, the last time the Rockets came into town, Marcus Smart had those two offensive fouls in like a matter of five seconds against James. Oop, burped. <clears throat> okay, we're good. But yeah, if you guys remember, Marcus Smart picked up those two offensive fouls with like five seconds left against James Harden. They won that game. But Chris Paul didn't play in that game. Chris Paul will be playing in this game. And Chris Paul was ridiculous against the Warriors the other day. The, Rat, the Rockets actually beat the Warriors without James Harden. And I believe 
Chris Paul got 17 assists in that game. It was either 16 or 17 assists. He scored over 20 points. He was great. And that was a big win for the Rockets. It really and truly was. And now that Capella's back for them, I feel like their team could be kind of hitting their stride at the right time and could get a really good seeding where they could avoid the Warriors for the first or second round of the playoffs and hopefully see them in the Eastern Conference Finals and have a repeat match of the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Because if you guys remember, the Rockets... If it wasn't for Chris Paul getting injured, that series won seven games because Chris Paul is a very important piece. And what's crazy is James Harden tonight, his streak snapped, scoring 30 points a game, snapped at 32. Pretty crazy to think about that that happened. But they, if you remember earlier this year, the Celtics lost 127-113 to to the Rockets, and James Harden went off in the second half because he sucked in the first half. I think he went to the free throw line like 17 times in the second half. So hopefully he doesn't get those calls on the road, but he probably will because it's James Harden, MVP type player, and he might. But just don't let James Harden score 30 points. Control Chris Paul, and you'll be good. I really think, I really and truly think the Celtics can go 3-1 and one this week, and I think the loss will be against the Trailblazers. That's going to be my prediction. Second night of a back-to-back on the road. You know, a road home back-to-back is always tough. Yes, I understand Toronto's close by, but it still sucks. And I think they're really going to take this Raptors game seriously, especially with how they did not take the Bulls game seriously, like, at all. They, they like, didn't care for it in any way, shape, or form. But, yeah, that is this week's edition of the Banner Banter Podcast. Remember, the Celtics have four games this week. Tuesday, a.k.a. tonight. Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday. And then next week, I'll preview that four-game West Coast road trip. That's going to be tough. I'll recap all the games from this week and keep you guys up to date on any news from the Boston Celtics. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, as always, at Banner Banter Podcast on Facebook and Instagram or Banner Banter 18 on the Twitter machine. Share it. Comment on it. Give me a rating on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play Music, Podbean, SoundCloud, Stitcher, etc., etc. Congratulations again to my good friends, Carrie and Jay, on getting married. And shout out to everyone who was down in South Carolina. What a great time we had this weekend. Really appreciate everyone. Thank you guys so much for listening. And what else? Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, it's going to be my friend Corey Bradley's birthday, or I'm sorry, Corey Kennedy's birthday this week. So happy birthday to her. Trying to think who else has birthdays. I don't think anyone else has birthdays. And I'm going to shut up now because I was going to try to keep this under 40 minutes. And I think I'm just going to miss it by like a minute. Oh, well, toodles and noodles, X's and O's. Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.